You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Critics' Table. Every episode we are joined by three luminary theater critics as they review the latest shows on and off Broadway. You may agree with one, all of them, or none at all, but we ask that you listen first and ask questions later. Let's join the table, shall we? Hi, I'm Juan Michael Porta II and this is The Critics' Table a new podcast where we discuss the hottest shows in New York. First, let's hear about our panel today. I'm Juan Michael, as I mentioned. Hi, I'm Christian Lewis. Hi, this is Ran Xia. And we are discussing the skin of our teeth. Let's get into it. Recipient of the 1943 Pulitzer Prize for Drama, Thornton Wilder's visionary masterpiece, The Skin of Our Teeth, illuminates the endurance of the human spirit as it follows the Antropus family of Excelsior, New Jersey, as they persevere through an ice age, a biblical flood, and war. Can we get some of our initial thoughts about this incredible production? I absolutely loved this production so much. It is a long one. It runs, I think, a little over three hours. We have two intermissions. It's not like a multi-parter, but it definitely feels like a very long play. It's uh, a Thornton Wilder absurdist drama. It's nothing like the R-Town you probably saw in high school. Uh, so it's a little adjustment for like a theater goer in 2022. But it is a perfect production of a difficult play that spoke to so much about what we're going through right now, about the pandemic and surviving and is the world going towards something better or something worse and this production in particular casts the Antrobus family as black actors and really got into making this play feel different and culturally specific in a great new way. So I'm totally on board with this production. I absolutely agree. When I was in college, I we did a production of The Skin of Our Teeth and I played the baby dinosaur. Um, and I just remember not really getting it. And I've read this play over and over over the years This is the first time it hit me so hard. And I think if we're talking about first impression, I just cannot cannot emphasize enough how fresh it felt like. It felt like a play that was written this year as opposed to during World War II, which if we think about it, it's apt and relevant and it speaks so much about how cyclical uh, we as as a, as a species kind of evolve over time. 
I am in the minority of how I feel about it. I, I love the opening play. It's three distinct um, acts, I would say, uh, where the family, the main characters stay the same throughout, but each situation doesn't necessarily uh, relate to the other. And the second act is one that I've always found to be superfluous and unnecessary. There are some real gem moments within it, but I always, I prefer the um, opening and closing act. And here I thought, seeing a black family but not seeing them portrayed in black voice or black face was really essential and what i mean by that is sometimes when we cast do non-traditional casting quote unquote stereotypes are put onto the performers to make it a sort of explanation for why they would be here and yet these wonderful actors were just allowed to be and i thought wow this is the theater i want to see and the direction was completely wild and not trying to make people, it was challenging, I would say. Instead of giving people a Broadway razzmatazz, it was, let's go on this journey and it's going to be weird and you're going to get into it. And I feel like so many people definitely got sucked in for the ride. I know I did. Um, I'm curious if we could talk about some of the standout moments, uh, specifically production elements, actually, because this is such a production heavy show or version of the show. I don't think there's a way to even talk about Skin of Our Teeth without getting into the design of it. Adam Briggs' set design for this is pretty legendary. It's, I think, the first show since King and I at Lincoln Center that I can think of that really used the Vivian Beaumont for all of its vast, giant, super tall potential. We have a living room in Act 1 that tilts and falls apart, and Act 2 is like boardwalk new jersey with a giant slide and like rides and boosts and it's amazing and then act three is this like beautiful landscape of like a post-war garden flower bed that like each time when like the curtain rise and i got to see the set i like gasped and got emotional because it was just that beautiful also can't talk about this production without talking about the puppet design which is just legendary we have a, a woolly mammoth and I think a stegosaurus, question mark, not a dinosaur, not a paleontologist here. But um, the puppet design here is amazing. Puppet design is really having a moment. It's the same puppet designer who did Milky White at the city center encore's production Into the Woods. So the, pup, the puppet design here is just flawless. And I actually thought there was a lot of really subtle costume elements. Like I loved that the gowns that Mrs. Antrobus and Gladys wear in Act 3 were Victorian, tattered, stained versions of the exact same fabric of their 1950s cocktail dresses in Act 1. So I thought this was just a beautifully designed production, like, across the board. Yeah, I want to piggyback on the singing praises of the puppetry design, because I wasn't even making the connection, but I've been a big fan of James Ortiz's The Woodsman. Uh, I don't know if anybody have caught it uh, back in the days at New World Stages of this beautiful and unique take on the Teen Man story from The Wizard of Oz. Um, and it was just one of the legendary puppetry moments, and I'm so glad he's having a ball like this season on Broadway and off. And I also wanted to kind of give a shout out to the sound design of this production because it's so easy to 
sort of overlook the sound element in a regular play that is not emphasizing on music or sound in particular, but the use of microphone in this piece uh, that sort of use a subtle voice augmentation to kind of enhance the storytelling was really hitting the spot. Mm. Absolutely agree on all of these things. The elements were drawn together so brilliantly. I, I think that even if I wasn't able to hear the actors, the physical production would tell me a story. And that's actually what I always want from uh, any show I see, something where nothing feels superfluous. And even when it's like gone, so what am I seeing? It still feels so integrated into the production. And to Christian's point about the set tilting, when, when those things happened, it really, it made me think about the blizzard in New York City of 2004, where everything was shut down and I opened a window and all the snow started falling into my house and feeling that like, oh my God, like the world is literally coming undone. And I, the physical manifestation of that from Adam Brigg and also, again, the puppetry, the way that the performers really articulated and gave um, personalities to each of these extinct animals was so impressive. I, I want this to be taught in schools. <laughs> uh, can we jump into some of the performances that stood out for us? A lot of great performances across the board, but I like will spend all of my minutes and all of my soapbox anytime I get to talk about this play talking about Gabby Beans as Sabina. I think it was like a a generation-defining performance of a very famous role. Tallulah Bankhead is kind of what people think of with this role. Gabby Beans as Sabina, obviously so different, so her own. Incredible, extraordinary, so embodied, so real. The moments where she kind of like breaks character to talk directly to the audience. There's a lot of meta theater from her character built into this play. They are so good and so sincere that I saw people on Twitter being like, oh, I love that they updated this play and had that main actress talk to the audience. Like that was so real. Like people were so, if they didn't know, were so like convinced by her performance that they were like, wow, she's just like it. So her, her Sabina was great. And while Michael, to your point about act two, I really think that the actress playing Sabina has the most of a roller coaster in this play. Like she really is kind of like playing two to three very different characters that are only loosely connected. And her bridging that gap was just so beautiful. And I think the main way she did it was the moments where she was like playing the actress playing Sabina instead. Cause that we always knew whenever she was mad at this play that she had to act in, it was the same person. She was so great. I hope she gets all the recognition for this. Cause she really, I, for me, she made this production what it was, along with the great design in Liliana Blaine Cruz's off-the-wall direction. Yeah, this is kind of falling back to a previous question, but the second act almost felt to me like a Don Juan in Hell sort of thing. George Bernard Shaw uh, reference, if, if that's okay. So Gabby Baines is playing an actor playing Sabina, playing a different character in like a pocket universe within the connected sort of tissues. Um, and you, you just can't help it. You get very impressed and you she makes you follow the story. She's our psychopomp, basically. <laughs> psychopomp, I love this reference. Um, 
One thing I, I've heard from many people, and I observed this as well, is that it felt as if she was referencing Eartha Kitt throughout. And I think that that is like something, not that there's anything wrong with it, but I, I would like to reference that and see how that resonated with you all. Did you feel similarly? I haven't heard that, but like uh, just like light bulb fireworks just clicked when you said that. And I'm like, oh my God, that's what it was. Uh, I don't mind that at all. I loved it. I loved her performance so much. I liked that she was drawing on references that made this role feel so different and so original. And to your, like, one of your first points, also, like, felt like it really grounded this play and, like, letting this be a play about a group of Black actors that are playing a Black family. She, like, was not trying to be anything else, and I loved that. I really liked the fortune teller. Yeah, Priscilla Lopez. Yeah, Priscilla Lopez made the fortune teller so grounded and relatable and... I feel like the fortune teller stereotype or archetype has always, you know, very ethereal and loopy, uh, whatever. But like, she's the one who spoke a lot of the most grounded truth of this play. And then she made it work like nothing else. That for me, you know, interestingly, if I was to consider like um, in comedy of uh, Gabby Beans is like the, the the top banana, the like the real comedian. For me, Rosalind Ruff was her straight man, essentially. And I think that she embodied that role with such grace and also added in twists of her own humor within the numerous sort of digs as she's navigating like what this woman wants and what this woman will accept, which the role for me has always been about um, what women are allowed to be and what women can see for themselves um, through through history. And of course, we're now living in a time where women are once again being suppressed. And seeing this this Black woman play this role with such poise and like understanding that I'm not allowed to act out, I'm not allowed to do certain things, but I'm still going to find a way to say my piece re- really moved me emotionally and made me think about um, many of the women in my life who have been put into places where they have to speak up, but have to remember that they can't lash out. Yeah, I, I was I was especially moved by her performance in Act Two, where she's playing like the first lady, uh, and it was so interesting. And there's a moment where she has to give a speech, and she like doesn't know, but she does, and it's about what is she actually allowed to say in this moment where she has like the biggest platform of her life. Also, in that scene, it was hilarious COVID parallel that there's like a, they talk about a flu killing the world, and she's like coughing in the corner, and it was like. Ooh, just chef kiss perfect about a great little COVID moment that they didn't force at all. That actually takes me to the final act where, you know, it's about war, essentially. And I, for me, it's the most beautiful act. It's the most elegiac. It's like all of these things come together in such a crystalline way of like, ah, this is why we are here. I'm, I'm wondering for you all if there was a particular moment that stood out for you throughout the, this incredible three-hour-long production that you will remember for years to come. Oof, I like I really like did get emotional just at the reveal of each set piece. But then there's a couple moments uh, in Act Two, but the very ending of the play is an incredibly moving kind of discussion that actually like pre predicts a lot of how Hades town ends about like, Oh, we already know this story, but we have to keep doing it. And, uh, Sabina and Mrs. Antrobus kind of have this discussion about like, do we just have to keep doing this play forever? And it, it was really moving. It was really touching to like 
circle all the way back to Rand's point. I also read this play in college and I was like, what is happening? I don't know what this is. I don't like this. I guess I'll go back to our town. I don't know. And seeing it here, I got it. And I got it so much. And so many of those like great moments like at the end stuck with me that like I'm now listing this in like one of my top 10 favorite plays. And I've read it twice since seeing this. Like this play had so many of those little moments that like will stay with me and make me love this play. The moment of dusting off those old books really s- stayed with me for some reason. It's it, it can even be a little bit out of context and stand alone, but that simple act of dusting off knowledge from the past to figure out who we are as a species together. Um, and going back to, I don't know why I just love that fortune teller character so much, uh, but possibly it's because her quote was my favorite quote of the entire play, where she says, there's no time to lose, start a new world, begin again. And that kind of became the structure of the play and it kind of became how we live right here, right now. And that's how it's been going. Yeah. Oh, last other uh, Brandon Jacob Jenkins made a few very small but very well done changes to this play to update it a little bit and to make it actually culturally specific and relevant to the Black family at the center of this. And one of those moments where I was just like, wanted to like cheer in my seat was there was a couple very small changes in the quotes that they include at the end for that like kind of parade of the planets. And the bell hooks quote really just like got to me and I was like, this play is doing something and you can just seamlessly add that instead and it's still doing the same great thing, but it feels really relevant in a new way. So that made me very happy. And it's so well done. It's so subtle too, because I was having trouble identifying where, like which part is the updated part and then I got it all wrong. Uh, I'm just impressed by both, both of the writers. Yeah, the changes were small. There mm-hmm. wasn't a lot of them. Uh, I actually would love to see if they just let him go off the rails and change a lot. But I, he made really small changes. And I love that, as he mentioned, a lot of them were hard to know. It was like, oh, did, was that him? Or did Thornton Wilder really write something that cool and hip in 2022? Which a lot of times, that's the answer. My favorite sort of um, addition was the shout out to Booty Candy, which is like, yes! oh, shout out. <laughs> um, you know, for the, the moments that sort of got me in these are again in, in the third act was seeing um, Sabina and um, Mrs. Antropus not have a, con- a, a an antagonistic relationship between each other. They were on the other side of conflict. Like we've lived through this great war and having met people from other countries that were once, um, you know, at war with each other. And now they're here and seeing them being able to drop that conflict as um, when I was a teenager living in Irvine, California, that was very beautiful to me and, and stood out to me. And in parallel, watching Mr. Antropus and his relationship with Henry as they're fighting on opposite sides and not being able to work through their tension with each other on um, that very distinct thing that happens between fathers and sons uh, really hit me a lot because I I am definitely at odds with my father on Republican that he is on, on many different things and he is at odds with me as well. And I I think I looking at it, I thought, I think that they both hope that they could love each other regardless of how they feel about each other. And even if they're not able to see it, they are having this conversation and that gives me something. What are our final quotes, our final thoughts? Anything you want to leave with the audience, our listeners? 
final thoughts. I'm happy that we have a, a theater like Lincoln Center that put on a giant, huge, like opera of a production of a play that maybe people weren't familiar with or had kind of written off as that one confusing, weird, absurdist drama Thornton Wilder wrote. I'm happy that we got this huge play, beautiful designs, amazing acting, Liliana Blaze Cruz, amazing directing. I'm so glad that this production existed and I will be thinking about it for a long time. I'm so grateful to have witnessed a production in 2020 that's courageous enough to include so many absurd elements um, and it's just a celebration of theatrical craft and collective storytelling. And at its core, this is such a hopeful play written in the darkest time of humanity, produced again in another darkest time of humanity. And it tells the story of perseverance. Um, and, you know, there is so much hope in that. And then the hope we... Uh, something from that as well. I have been reading this play since I was a teenager and have seen many productions of it, which is funny. And I always ask myself afterwards, do we need to see this play? Now I go in asking, do we need to see this play? And afterwards I say, yes, we need to see this play. We need to remember, we need to actually confront the messy things and to accept that they aren't pat or tied up in a tidy little bow and that ultimately the work is up to us. And that's what the show leaves us with. And I'm forever grateful for that message that the work is up to us and we can accomplish it. And it will be a mess, but we will make it through somehow. Thank you for this incredible conversation. The Skin of Our Teeth was actually a limited run and has now concluded. We hope that you get to see a recording of it someday. But now let's hear about where we all write. I'm Juan Michael Porter II, and you can follow me at Juan Michael II on Twitter. I write for Theaterly, Did They Like It, New York Theater Guide, and other publications. I am Christian Lewis. I am also a freelance theater critic. I write for Did They Like It, Theaterly, Theater Mania, Variety, and you can find me on Twitter at C. Lewis Reviews. I'm Ren Xia. I am a freelance playwright and theater director. I write reviews for Did They Like It, as well as Theater's Easy. You can find me on social media at Rhino Riddler. Thank you so much, everyone. This is The Critics' Table. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Critics' Table podcast. We would like to thank Jose Solis and the BIPOC Critics Lab team who has generously partnered with us on this project. You can find out more about the BIPOC Critics Lab at BIPOCCriticsLab.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss a review and learn more about our critics at bpn.fm slash criticstable. The views or opinions expressed by the critics in this episode are solely their own and do not necessarily represent views or opinions of the Broadway Podcast Network. See you next time. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.